You are listening to the podcast of Open Life Church. We are located in Bonnie Lake, Washington, and meet every Sunday at 10 a.m. at Bonnie Lake High School. Thank you for taking the time to download our podcast or visit our message archive page at livinglifeopen.com. If you are visiting us on our message archive, I just want to make you aware of two things. First, there's a link just above the audio display where you can download our fill-in-the-blank handout. And second, after you're done listening, we would love for you to follow the link on the upper right side of the page that says Let's Connect. Here you can tell us a little bit about yourself or tell us something that we can pray with you about. Feel free to give us as much or as little information as you'd like. Wherever and however you are listening to us today, we are excited you are here and we hope you enjoy it. Now here's today's speaker. But We're still in Luke this week and then next week is a standalone celebration and talk about Christmas. We're going to have a great time. So Luke 11, 1 through 13, same passages we read last week, but we're going to hit on the first chunk of it, where last week we focused on verses 9 through 10. But I'll read the whole thing here for you. One day, Jesus was praying in a certain place. When he finished, one of his disciples said to him, Lord, teach us to pray, just as John taught his disciples. He said to them, when you pray, say, Father, hallowed be your name. Your kingdom come. Give us each day our daily bread. Forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. And lead us not into temptation. Then Jesus said to them, Suppose you have a friend, and you go to him at midnight and say, Friend, lend me three loaves of bread. A friend of mine on a journey has come to me, and I have no food to offer him. And suppose the one inside answers, uh, Don't bother me. The door is already locked and my children are in bed. I can't get up and give you anything. I tell you, even though he will not get up and give you the bread because of friendship, yet because of your shameless audacity, he will surely get up and give you as much bread as you need. So I say to you, ask and it will be given to you. Seek, you will find. Knock and the door will be opened to you. For everyone who asks receives The one who seeks finds, and to the one who knocks, the door will be opened. Which of you fathers, if your son asks for a fish, will give him a snake instead? Or if he asks for an egg, will give him a scorpion? If you then, though you are evil, know how to give good gifts to your children, how much more will your Father in heaven give the Holy Spirit to those who ask him? Wow, this is a great section. You really could do a few weeks on it. Last week, we looked at verses 9 and 10, and, and really that thought of shameless audacity in our prayers, like what would it look like to have more shameless audacity? And, and, and are we good at asking, or have we just kind of shrunk back and, and brought our asking, our prayers, our requests, if you will, into kind of reality? Versus like really stretching our faith. And so we have these things to look at. Man, I, I, and I think it's easier. I was thinking this week in the whole shameless audacity mindset and how it opens doors if we ask, seek, and knock. I was thinking it's interesting how shameless and audacious we can be with our generosity and the impact that makes on people. But the challenge is being shameless and audacious in asking for our needs sometimes. It feels a little more selfish, but yet God wants us to be shamelessly pursuing Him for the deepest needs that we have 
in our life. As an illustration last week, if you weren't here, I was talking about Christmas lists and how in the Huff House, those Christmas lists have grown in practical requests. We've kind of grown into that zone of, I'm going to ask for the things I need. Like, you know, it's Christmas time, I need a new cover for the ironing board. And how, as a husband, if I really bought that, that's a lose-lose kind of, right? I mean, it's a win in that now we have a cover that's nice and doesn't leave little checker marks on the shirts when you iron them. But you don't buy a cover for the ironing board for Christmas. Sorry if that's already in the stocking in your house. But anyway, you know, so I was kind of talking about that and, uh, and, and, and joking around about it and how the kids do a great job uh, asking compared to the adults and how they're really shameless and audacious and they're asking and then it happened. I'm going about my week totally in a normal fashion. Now my 11-year-olds were in service last week. They're serving back there this, this week and they were, they were listening to everything I said about the home, right? And they're correcting me on, Dad, I actually asked for that gift for a birthday versus Christmas and all that after service. It was awesome. But here we are and they're in the room and we are getting ready for dinner, setting the table. Things are smelling wonderful in the home as we crock-potted something for dinner. And, uh, and so we're sitting down to partake of the meal, and we pull it out of the crock-pot, which was supposed to just make it nice and moist and savory meat, and pull the meat out, and the meat is dry, and it cooked a little too hot for a little too long. And uh, so as... The slicing is being attempted, and the meat is crumbling versus slicing. And the girls start to work their way downstairs. All of them smell and see what's on the counter and go, before they even taste it, they go, ooh, I don't like that, right? It's that moment. They're in that phase. It's kind of a stewish. I have no idea what the meal was called. And uh, so I'm thinking I'm going to eat it and smile and not say anything. This is kind of the way we roll. And um, how much sauce can we put on this? Don't say that out. Is this recorded? <laughs> anyway, so we're just like having fun. And uh, that's when it happened. The ultimate in gift list fails if I were to purchase this. Dana said out loud, and there were witnesses in the room and my daughters. She said out loud, man, I just sometimes I can't cook. Okay, here's a good gift list for Christmas. And I was like going, oh, what's coming? She goes, you should give me cooking lessons. <laughs> Think about that one for a second, right? Let's, let's really process this out. Like, that's, that, could, that could be really bad to give that. I obviously don't need... She's cooking okay. I'm not starving. And uh, uh, she does a great job. She cooks great, makes amazing desserts. And so I was sitting there going... Uh, it's the crockpot's fault, honey. It's not yours. And by the way, and the girls were like, oop, dad, there's one of those things for the list. <laughs> jab, jab. You know, they're just chuckling about it. And I'm going, how does this play out? Right? How does this, how do I go like, uh, would this be a gift for the whole, from the whole family? Um, love you. This is from the whole family, but it's kind of for all of us. Merry Christmas. You know what I'm saying? Like, how do you say it to where it wouldn't offend? I just can't, like, you write on the card, you know? Take one for the team. Merry Christmas. I don't know. That'd be bad. You can't do that. Or I can hear it now when, when she's talking to other people. Hey, what did that get you for Christmas? Well, you wanted me to learn how to cook. So, 
he didn't. Yes, he did. You know, I just, I don't want to walk into that. That seems like not well, right? And so, so the bantering last week just led to hilariousness this week. It was kind of fun. But when you think about this shameless audacity, kids are good at it. And sometimes we just need to be better at it. We need to be good at asking, seeking, knocking, because the promise is the door will be open. And again, it's easier to have shameless audacity in the area of generosity than asking. But what happens when they both kind of are combined? Maybe you saw this online this week, but I thought this was a good illustration. Watch this. I don't know if you've seen the airline one that did something similar, you know, when they were getting on a plane in one city, they asked them what they wanted, and when they landed, it came out on the conveyor belt as well. I mean, there's so many of these moments of just shameless, audacious generosity. But if you knew that was going to happen, you're thinking, man, I would have asked for her. You know what I'm talking about? That one person had a stinking iPad. Way to go. They had some shameless and audacious asking. Uh, little did they know they were actually going to get their desires met. And uh, generosity is just something that makes you feel good. I loved hearing the laughter and joy. And some of you had probably already seen that. Uh, but it's just like, wow, every time I watch it, it just brings that level of, okay, yeah, the impossible can happen. These kids put this on their list, and they never thought they were getting the Xbox One. It's not going to happen. But then something aligns and makes it come about. What about our prayers? What about our prayers? Do we have that same faith in God? Would we just request the impossible? In the book of Acts, they call that boldness. And it's Luke, the same author. And he just goes into recording over and over again when they would pray for boldness and then pray. So it's like, could we, man, maybe it's boldness would be a better term for you when you're starting to pray, but we need to have our faith increased and be more audacious in our requests. So back to Luke 11. Now, this is something interesting that catches me as we look at this moment when a disciple asks, teach us to pray as John taught his disciples, John the Baptist, the one who prepared the way for Jesus. As he had disciples following him, he taught them to pray. So now they're saying, teach us to pray. We're in Luke 11. We're quite a ways into the book. We're quite a ways into the life of Jesus. Now, Luke is not written chronologically, so the order could be shifted a little, but it's interesting to me that the author, Luke, puts it in the middle of the book that they finally ask, teach us to pray, especially in the context of like Lucan emphases, as they call it. So let me geek out on you a little bit. Because when I'm studying, I just thought this was the coolest thing and yet the weirdest moment that it took the disciples this long to ask to be taught how to pray. So Luke and these Lucan, Lucan emphasis on Christian living, the most 
the, the thing that he emphasizes more than any other one of the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, or John, the first four books of the New Testament that record the life of Jesus, the thing he emphasizes most is prayer and how prayer is surrounding very important moments in Jesus' life. So it's, it's glaring. In fact, prayer or pray is mentioned 13 times in Mark, 17 times in Matthew, but 21 times in Luke, and 25 times in the book of Acts, which Luke authored following the book of Luke. More significant, however, than the frequency is how it occurs like next to strategic moments. So the gospel begins with prayer in Luke 1, 9 through 10. After its brief summary of the gospel contents, Acts begins with the disciples praying in Acts 1.14. He maintains this emphasis. Luke alone records that Jesus was praying at the baptism when He was anointed by the Spirit. He was praying when, before He selected the 12 disciples in Luke 6.12. Only Luke recorded that Jesus prayed before He asked the disciples, who do the crowd say I am in Luke 9.18. And only Luke mentioned that at his transfiguration, Jesus went up to the mountain to pray. It's very intriguing to me. And now in the context of his prayer time is when a disciple waits till he's finished and then asks him, teach me how to pray. This, his prayer time becomes a teachable moment. As we continue through Luke in the coming year, starting in February, we'll jump back into the series and we'll uncover additional portions where, you know, the, through prayer, the believers are able to persist and not lose heart in Luke 18.1, to keep from falling into temptation, which we'll talk a little bit today, uh, Luke 22.40 and 46. And because of Jesus' prayer, Peter's denial did not turn into apostasy in Luke 22.32. So clearly for Luke, prayer was a critical ingredient to life and following Jesus. So why is it that we can make it through 10 chapters in Luke before the disciples go, okay, this is interesting, but time out. Can you teach us what you're doing in this element of his life? I mean, he's driven out evil spirits. He's called the apostles. He's calmed a storm. He's healed a galore of people. He has delivered a naked dude in a graveyard and cast the demons from him into a herd of pigs. He has fallen asleep in a storm and calmed it. He has raised the dead multiple times. Jesus sends out 12 disciples in ministry. He feeds 5,000 people after praying. Jesus sends out the 72 to do ministry, and finally they want to know. Now, why is it you always sneak away before all these important moments and pray? Can you teach us what you're doing? They finally get, okay, we need this ingredient. Maybe this is why we haven't cast out the demon. In fact, Jesus said, well, these only come out through prayer and in some writings that says, and fasting. So they finally want to know. Maybe they're just growing to the point where they're like, I mean, this is a central concept. And I think maybe Luke wanted us to see, in putting it in Luke 11, this teaching, he wanted us to see 
tendency all of us have to do it ourselves, to go it alone, to not involve God in our needs. Why do we wait so long to pray? Why don't we just lay the foundation of prayer before we do anything? And so the disciples begin to learn, oh yeah, so Jesus is praying before he does these things. Now teach us how, teach us why, what's happening here? And that's what we're going to look at today is how should we pray. Um, The first thing, if you're a handout filler inner and you haven't filled in the blanks yet, you may be able to figure them out. You can fill them in real quick and then figure out how close you were, grade yourself at the end. Anyway, so uh, point one is we should pray to our Father. We should pray to our Father. And this is what makes some people call this the believer's prayer instead of the Lord's prayer because of the language, our Father. Um, That you can only claim and truly claim that God is your Father, according to Scripture, which we'll read here, if you have put your faith on Jesus. When you put your faith in Jesus, you become a child of God. Listen to this. Romans 8 verses 15 and 16 say, the spirit you received does not make you slaves so that you live in fear again. Rather, the spirit you received brought about your adoption to sonship. And by him we cry, Abba, Father. The Spirit Himself testifies with our spirit that we are God's children. Little do we know when we're like, okay, Lord, I'm going to follow you. I want you to be my Lord. All of a sudden, I became a child of God. Like, with all the heir rights of Jesus. Like, we're heirs of the kingdom. It's kind of interesting to think. John 14, 13 through 14 says, I will do whatever you ask in my name, so that the Father, this is Jesus speaking, so that the Father may be glorified in the Son. You may ask me for anything in my name, and I will do it. So simply and incredibly practically put, I just felt like, okay, let me exemplify what is being taught here of how to pray, and then kind of demonstrate how This is something we just, why, uh, it's interesting because it's not like something we teach. It's kind of a given, but yet we need to know this. This is what we're being taught, that we should pray to God the Father in Jesus' name in these passages. So, an example would be, this is a good example, right? Totally serious. Father, We shamelessly and audaciously ask that you would help Sherman pick two passes off today from Kaepernick in Jesus' name. Did you catch the important elements of that prayer? (laughs) The wonderfulness, the grace, the beauty. Uh, I'm just, it's in the Bible. It says, ask the Father in Jesus' name. Did you know that in surveys, most People say the outcome of the Super Bowl is determined by God 
in surveys, they like really believe their prayers make a difference in the game. Anyway, okay, they could. I just asked the Father in Jesus' name and anything I asked for. If he gets two picks today, you're going to go, I was an open life. We prayed that today. <laughs> if he gets three, then we know God does abundantly beyond all we ask or imagine. <laughs> Thank you, Jesus. Here's another one. Father, and this one's serious, like for reals. I can't even be serious, but this is. I pray for our service next week to be fun, powerful, and a great celebration of Jesus for those who are invited and brought by everyone at Open Life, that they would experience good news and leave with great joy, just as you promised, clear back at the birth of Jesus. In Jesus' name, amen. See that? So it's like Father in Jesus' name. So you may have seen the opposite, and I'm not judging anybody or saying anyone in this room has ever prayed like this or been in a room where it is prayed, where prayer happens like this, but this is where prayer gets confusing. Have you been in the room when somebody begins to pray, and maybe they haven't been taught this, and they're like, God, Father, Jesus, Lord, God, Father, Jesus, Holy Spirit, they just, you know, pray for God, Father, Jesus, Lord, Today, Jesus, Lord, God, Father, Father, Jesus. You know, and you're just like, and it's this moment of nobody's taught them how to pray. And you kind of feel bad. You don't want to say, oh, time out. Here's how you do it. You know, right? It's this awkward moment. And I imagine Jesus experienced this with the disciples, right? Like, how were they praying? When he was in the room, how were they praying before he taught them? And was he ever like, let me, I mean, just think about this. How funny would this be if I just, you know, it's like walking up to somebody. Who can I pick on today? You know, and you're just kind of like, you're like, you just walk up and you go, Shelly, Shelly, I, Shelly, wanna, Shelly, uh, I, Shelly Adams, wanna, Adams, Shelly, I was wondering, Shelly, if I could, Shelly, if you could, Shelly, I uh, want it, Shelly, if you, Shelly, could you just, Shelly, could you, if I, Shelly, I wonder if God's up there going, okay, pause, right? <laughs> you got, you got all my names. This is awesome, but. What are, you, what are you saying? Have you ever been that way with your kids? And they come and they go, in my home, it's still like, Dad, could you, Dad, Dad. I was like, oh, Dad. And they finally get my attention. Maybe a few more times, Dad, Dad. And I finally listen. And it's like, yes. You know, you're frustrated. And then they're like, oh, my dad doesn't love me. Anyway, so you're like, yes, child I love, that I love. And, uh, and they'll go, oh, Dad, uh, uh, Dad, Dad. And now they're like stuck. And you're like, Pull it out. What are you trying to say? And, you know, they finally get to it. But I wonder if God feels like that every once in a while. And Jesus had to have been on the sidelines hearing his disciples pray like this. And then finally he's like, yes, they asked me. This is how you do it. Father, then you ask for whatever you want to ask. Give him some glory and honor. And then you're like, in Jesus' name, wrap it up. And you only have to say his names a couple times. You know, I don't know if he was like that, but I've been in those rooms and I've had those thoughts, and so forgive me. Uh, prayer doesn't need to feel uh, or sound like you're asking someone out for a first date. And I think, you know, that's what happens is we get all nervous about what we're going to ask for, and you're like, God, I, God, I, whoa, that's going to, I was... I was just, your mouth gets all dry. <laughs> oh, dear. Okay. Now, tomorrow I'll pray. <laughs> you walk away, you never ask, and you're just like, it's kind of that nervous. No, we could just go to the Lord without intimidation, freely, and just request what's on our heart. It's a conversation. And uh, I love this element. The video was kind of an illustration of this, but 
it says right there, Father, hallowed be your name. What is that? Hallowed be your name. We should hold in great honor the name of God, the name of the Lord. This goes way back to the commands, right? Don't use the Lord's name in vain. And, and I, I look at, we fail in society. It's real easy, right, to be excited and like in that video, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God. I don't think she was really speaking to God in that moment. She didn't think the police officer was God, but it was just coming out. Hallowed be your name. This is saying, man, let's hold in the greatest honor God's name. Maybe we don't use OMG unless we're really saying, oh, my God. You know what I'm saying? <laughs> and that's what he's saying is let's hold in honor the name of God. Because Philippians 2, 10 through 11 makes it clear that at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth and every tongue acknowledge that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God our Father. We should hold and honor the name of Jesus and God. And even if we hit our hand with that hammer when we're going for that nail, unless we're praying instantly for healing, Jesus, please, <laughs> then we probably shouldn't shout Jesus' name in that instance, right? Or last night when I tried to repair the lights across the street that blew down in the windstorm this week, and I'm like trying to pull this rope method instead of a wire method, which I used before, and I pulled the rope tight, and then I power it up, a Griswold moment, and one strand lights up right in the middle. I'm like, are you kidding me? With five strands, 20 feet up in the air above a road. Jesus, help me. <laughs> I didn't shout his name. There were all kinds of other words I wanted to shout, but my kids were present. So anyway, this goes back to how we pray to the Father in Jesus' name with great respect and honor and glory and giving him. He's got all the authority in the world. We need to hold in reverence the name of God. And that's what Jesus is teaching them. Man, let's, we should pray with all authority as kids of the king. Like we have rights in the kingdom. We should know that. There's power in talking to our daddy in heaven. He bore stripes for our healing. We can like really stand on Jesus' name and on God's name and it needs to be hallowed. It needs to be held in honor. So number two, so we pray to the Father. Number two, we should pray daily for the day and its needs. Daily for the day and its needs. Give us this day our daily bread in the context of saying that each day you should pray for that day's needs and provision, that God should provide you the day's necessities. It's not a prayer for luxury or excess or prosperity. It's a prayer for what's needed. It's interesting because uh, I've heard mixed reviews on the movie Exodus, but uh, it's a depiction of the life of Moses, I believe. I haven't seen it yet. But uh, in the actual book of Exodus, in the Bible, which it's based somewhat from, uh, they really complained against God and, and, so, and, and, and went against some of the things that he directed them to do as he was allowing the people of God to escape slavery in Egypt. Um, they escaped, but then they kind of grumbled, and so they ended up wandering for 40 years in the desert. And one of the things they were doing was getting hungry. 
And so God decides to do this miracle and send meat at night and this thing he created called manna, which is kind of like a bread uh, during the mornings that people could go out and get. And listen what happened because this is where this whole heart of give us this day our daily bread prayer comes from. Exodus 16 says, the Lord said to Moses, I have heard the grumblings of the Israelites. Tell them at twilight you will eat meat, and in the morning you will be filled with bread. Then you will know that I am the Lord your God. That evening quail came and covered the camp, and in the morning there was a layer of dew around the camp. When the dew was gone, thin flakes like frost on the ground appeared on the desert floor. And when the Israelites saw it, they said to each other, what is it? For they did not know what it was. Moses said to them, it's the bread the Lord has given you to eat. This is what the Lord has commanded. Everyone is to go gather as much as they need. Take an omer for each person you have in your tent. The Israelites did as they were told, and some gathered much, some little. And when they measured it by the omer, the one who gathered much did not eat too much, and the one who gathered little did not eat too little. Everyone had gathered just as much as they needed, right? They needed. It goes on in verse 19. Then Moses said to them, no one's to keep any of it until morning. However, some of them paid no attention to Moses. They kept part of it until morning, but it was full of maggots and began to smell. So Moses was angry with them. Each morning, everyone gathered as much as they needed, and when the sun grew hot, it melted away. Give us this day our daily bread. And this is why we say, man, we need to read the Bible daily and pray daily because it lasts for that day. God wants to be daily active and providing for us in our life. Let's give Him a chance to orchestrate our day. That's also why I think it's important to pray in the morning as well as at night or over a meal. We need to just, Lord, this is your day. Give me opportunity. Right? It's like, what if He just kisses your day with a blessing? We must nurture the relationship daily with God. Not just every weekend, not just once a month when we make do or time, but or when it's our scheduled time to serve, we'll listen while we're there, right? But no, daily. It's much more. We must develop a daily relationship with God and trust Him to provide for our most basic of needs. And then when He does, hallowed be your name. We give you glory, Lord. We give you the glory. And all of a sudden, this praise rises up in us. This worship rises up in us because we've seen God provide in miraculous ways. It's pretty beautiful stuff. Third point, we should pray for forgiveness for ourselves and others. Pray for forgiveness for ourselves and others. This is not alluding to the forgiveness experience through salvation, through making a decision to follow Jesus. This is referring to the continued reality that we're going to sin against others and they're going to sin against us. This is forgiveness. This is how we repent and follow. This is we must confess our sins to God so He can forgive them freely. And we must also forgive others who've sinned against us so that we're not locked in the prison of bitterness and unforgiveness. Because it is our prison when we hold the keys of forgiveness. 1 John 1.9 says, If we confess our sins, He's faithful and just and will forgive us our sins and purify us from all unrighteousness. So all we have to do is just 
Lord, I confess my sins to you today. Help me be more successful in that tomorrow, <laughs> you know? Or if we're praying continually, wow, Lord, that was really stupid what I just said or did. Forgive me, <laughs> you know? And, and we could just go on with our day with that clear conscience, that purity, because He's faithful. He'll forgive us of everything in that instant if we ask. For many, this step is a stumbling block because you've been deeply hurt or wounded by somebody or someone, or maybe you sense that that wound or that deep hurt actually is from God. You feel like God, for some reason, had a grudge against you. And that forgiveness or or really giving God a second chance or whatever has yet to occur. Um, Forgiveness is not forgetting or condoning or perpetuating injustice. It's the key to unlocking a prison door that you are the only one that holds the key to open. I mean, forgiveness is that key. It's a big deal to Jesus. Listen to this. Luke 17, 3 through 4. Watch yourselves. If your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Really? How, how does that work in your home? Do your kids allow that? To, like, you know, does that? Oh, never mind. Uh, I'm just letting you way too far into our house. Like that was all the way upstairs with slamming doors right there in that moment. Seventh, for the seventh time, you know. <laughs> okay, Lord, I remember that teaching. Shoot. Anyway, Mark 11, 25 says, when you stand praying, if you hold anything against anyone, forgive them so that your Father in heaven may forgive you your sins. When you stand praying, forgive them. See, forgive us our sins, for we also forgive everyone who sins against us. Man, Jesus' prayer that he's teaching is some serious, seriously challenging stuff here. Final point, we should pray that we are not tempted. We should pray that we are not tempted. Worship team, you can make your way up. Literally, when we pray daily, we cover ourselves with strength and power from God so that we will be able to endure the dangerous mess we will enter to do ministry. Like, this is that moment. This is that, like, when, when we're praying that God will protect us and that we will not be tempted, it's because the adventure we're going to go on out into the world is not a temptationless place. Now, Spellcheck didn't like the word temptationless, but I like that word. Um, I put a hyphen in it, and then it worked totally good. It didn't underline it and read anymore. But, you know, where we're going, sometimes God's going to call us to go and do places, into places of ministry where there are temptations. There are challenges that we'll face. We could veer back to some of our temptations from the past because He's called us to be present. Myself, I, before I made a decision to follow Jesus, I was an alcoholic. Like, I drank daily a lot. And then I made a decision to follow Jesus, and one of those things I just didn't, like He removed from my life in an instant was the craving for alcohol. Yet, 
I knew it was tough because everywhere I, I, I worked, you know, I worked as a uh, waiter, singing and dancing waiter on the Spirit of Puget Sound cruise ship at the time. And, you know, they didn't give me a drink. Like, I would ask for a pop. They didn't give me a, a drink. Like, if I asked for a Coke, it had rum in it. I mean, it just, that's, I was voted most likely to come to work with a hangover two years in a row. They were going to get, that's one of the reasons I recognized I had a problem. I, the clue, you know, hello. Anyway, so I clued into it. And I, I thought, you know what? For me, I, I'm, I should not be like doing this because I can't stop when I start. So the Lord gave me the ability to not even crave it anymore. And I thank Him for that. But yet, now I get angry if I'm like, I just, I don't know why people would leave me out because they're drinking at a party and, uh, they know I don't drink, so they're like, well, don't invite the Huffs, because, you know, Thad has a little problem when he was younger. You know, it's like, no, man, we're totally comfortable in that environment. It's not an issue. I mean, the party we were at Friday night was awesome, and I turned down drinks like 20 times probably, you know. There were shots of anything there, and, I, and they were all, you know, here, here. You know, so it's not, it's not Lord, because I pray daily. Free me from those temptations, right? The life he wants us to live of being present in others' lives is not going to be free from temptation. We need the covering and protection of God to not be tempted. Okay, I'm going to rattle off a bunch of passages here about temptation. This is pretty important to Jesus. 1 Corinthians 10, 13. No temptation has overtaken you except what is common to mankind. And God is faithful He'll not let you be tempted beyond what you can bear. Don't you love that? When you're tempted, he'll provide a way out so that you can endure it. I love that. Galatians 6.1, brothers and sisters, if someone is caught in sin, you who live by the Spirit should restore that person gently, but watch yourselves or you also may be tempted. Hebrews 2.18, because he himself suffered, when he was tempted, he's able to help those who are being tempted. When we're praying to be helped in temptation, this is who's helping us. God is compassionate to temptation. He himself was tempted. James 1, 13, when tempted, no one should say, God is tempting me. God cannot be tempted by evil, nor does he tempt anyone. But each person is tempted when they are dragged away by their own evil desires and enticed. Luke twenty two thirty nine through 41 says, Jesus went out as usual to the Mount of Olives and his disciples followed him. On reaching the place, he said to them, pray that you will not fall into temptation. He withdrew. Verse 45, when he rose from prayer and went back to the disciples, he found them asleep, exhausted from sorrow. Why are you sleeping? He asked them. Get up, pray that you will not fall into temptation prayer is so key to not falling into temptation. Jesus' final prayer before he went to the cross is recorded in John 17. And in verses 15 through 18, he said, my prayer is not that you take them out of the world, but that you protect them from the evil one. They are not of the world, even as I am not of it. 
Sanctify them by the truth. Your word's truth. As you sent me into the world, I have sent them into the world. You're going to be tempted, but if you have the protection of God covering you, you can endure any adventure he puts you on. So again, here we are. The disciples finally ask how to pray. Jesus has to be going, yes. But you know what? We're about to turn a corner for the disciples, and they're going to see ministry that is awesome and crazy. We won't hit on it again until February, and we'll jump back into the series. But I am so excited for the difference prayer and daily prayer can make in our discipleship life. If we'll just begin to ask, seek, and knock, know that he'll open doors, know that he'll protect us. We pray to the Father for our daily needs, for forgiveness, ours, and for us to forgive others, and for freedom from temptation, because God is going to call us into places where temptation exists. And we can't just bunker and hunker down and never go outside again. I'm going to be free from temptation in here, right? That was kind of like Barney being there. Anyway, (laughs) I'm going to be free from temptation. Yeah, boy. You know, I don't know. But that was not my intention. I'm not ADD. What are you talking about? Who? Me? Yeah, you. Anyway, so uh, here's my thought. You in your handout have the invites. You have a prayer sheet for the fact that you could pray for three people. Pray for those whom you will bring or invite to next Sunday if you're in town to celebrate Christmas. We're going to hopefully have an incredible celebration. We actually, I challenge you, we only put one invite in your worship guide. I challenge you to grab one of the packs of 10 invites back there. Those are everywhere in town this week. Maybe you've seen them and sh- while you're shopping, or maybe you sit down at a table at Mr. Jalapeno's, and there's one there inside the napkins. Anyway, so, you know, it's just like wherever those can find themselves, that's awesome. But at least three of them need to find themselves in the hands of those you've been praying for. And you may be tempted not to invite them, but you know what? I believe God will give you the strength to maybe invite that person. You just think, it's impossible. They'll never come with me. But his grace may just touch your prayer. So as Jamie sings in just a moment, I'm going to pray first. I want you to pray for those three people that come to mind that you think, I'm going to, I want them to experience the joy, that the message of Christmas, of Jesus coming to save us from our sins. I want these three people to experience this because it's going to be phenomenal. And let's pray for them over the next five minutes. So, Lord, I just I pray that, God, we would be those who would pray to you regularly, daily, that you would provide for our needs, our daily needs, protect us from the evil one who would love to come and tempt us. God, help us to, to be quick to seek your forgiveness and to forgive others so we don't live in our own prison walls of bitterness and unforgiveness. But, Lord, Most of all, I pray that you would stir in us courage, boldness, audacity, that we would ask, seek, and knock for the people around us to experience the joy of Jesus. 
And some of us in this room, maybe we still need to make a decision to follow you. Maybe that initial, okay, Jesus, I need to confess your name. I need to start this journey with you so that I am a child of God. And if that's somebody's need today, I pray that they would invite you into their life just with this simple prayer. Jesus, I want you to be my Lord and Savior. I'm going to choose to follow you today. And that God, they'll begin to instantly feel the impact of being a child of the King their Father in heaven, ruler of all the earth. I pray that, God, you would stir in us whom we are supposed to invite for this next Sunday, whom we are supposed to introduce to this relationship with Jesus and the real meaning of the season here. I pray that, God, you'll just put those names and those people and those faces in our head and we lay them at your feet. Open up the doors of opportunity and let us have the shameless audacity to walk through them. In your name we pray. Amen. Thank you for listening to today's talk. If you have a question about what you've heard today or if you have a need we can pray with you about, feel free to click on the Let's Connect or Need Prayer button on the upper right side of the message archive page. Or if you're listening on iTunes, you can always email info at livinglifeopen.com. If you'd like to join in the mission of Open Life with a financial gift, you can give online at livinglifeopen.com by following the Giving tab and clicking Give Now. We're excited you took the time out of your busy week to listen to our talk. But have you ever thought about visiting us on a Sunday morning? We meet at 10 a.m. each Sunday at Bonnie Lake High School. We would love to see you on a Sunday, and then you can put a face to the voice you've been hearing online. Finally, stay up to date with everything Open Life by visiting livinglifeopen.com following us on Twitter, or liking us on Facebook. Thanks again for listening. We hope you enjoy the rest of your day and week.